welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 84, and our theme is Witchy Women. And it's not talking about my high school girlfriends. <laughs> Just kidding. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philly, PA. And Wolfman Josh J. I conjure thee to speak to me. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, brother. And, and in fact, um, <laughs> speaking of the witchy women from high school and college, I actually do have a number of stories that are almost horror level. <laughs> They're so, <laughs> so bad and so disastrous, but I doubt that would interest anybody. So guys, I'm pretty excited about this episode tonight, but ironically, <laughs> I didn't get to actually see most of the stuff we're going to talk about, which is super lame, and I apologize to everybody. So I'm going to be, in many cases, um, kind of a silent background observer and listener. But weirdly enough, like it's just a coincidence, I happened to watch Hocus Pocus with my kids tonight. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I, it was just such a weird coincidence, but I hope that counts for something. It right. counts sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah so In my heart. That's right. <laughs> So our theme is witchy women, and what exactly do we mean by this? What do we want to talk about when it comes to witchy women? Well, I think Dave kind of set this up on our last episode when he teased this one, um, and he said something that I think was really interesting, um, which was that the horror of these stories really comes from um, the actions that these humans have taken against one another you know it's not a monster it's not um even in a lot of these witch movies it's not a supernatural force it's often just people treating each other poorly often for selfish gain and i think that is fascinating as the um source for what is you know become a a modern day monster you know that, that it really um if you go back and look at these stories historically, um, oftentimes they are tied more to um, the people accusing the witches of witchcraft that are the evil people <laughs> rather than uh, those who uh, were supposedly participating in it. Yeah. Right. And and what's weird about that is if, if you riff on that a little bit, like then you have these witch film type themes and other horror movies. Like, for example, The Ruins is... It has a terrible quote-unquote monster in it. I've said it many times, but I love the ruins because of how terribly the people treat one another and the things they do to each other are actually horrifying in that movie. And so it's like, um, you wouldn't call that a witch movie by any means, but it's weird because it has that theme of people doing awful things to other people. Right. And um, there was another one that popped into my head. Oh, the thing, you know, you have that paranoia factor where they assume that the other people might be the thing, and so they do awful things to actual oh, yeah. human beings. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they fits into that. It fits into that nicely. However, there are also movies with uh, with actual witches. Right. It's just kind of an interesting interesting topic because you could look at both ends of it. You can look at the the man's inhumanity to man, uh, where where calling somebody a witch, um, like you're saying, is either for personal gain or to justify a position i think we saw that a little bit more in um 
in one of the movies we're going to discuss tonight, just to sort of justify and saying, hey, you know, we need this. Uh, we need somebody uh, hunting out these witches. Because look, here's one and there's one and there's one. Um, and then on the other end, you get actual movies with witches in them, you know, <laughs> where, where, the, where the witch is an actual monster. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, the three of us reviewed together the silent film Haxon uh, right. back on Horror Metropolis. And I would recommend that episode to people, first of all. We talk about Nosferatu and some other great silent horror films. But Haxon is interesting because it's an early example in that it, um, you know, was made in 1929 right. of the cinematic depiction of the paranoia that comes with these types of accusations, you know, in that film, just simply saying, you know, she's a witch. No, she's a witch. And the, the you know, and the <laughs> finger just gets pointed back and forth uh -huh. um, oftentimes for reasons of jealousy or um, just neighbors disliking one another. And it's, you know, a, a theme that's played out later um, in a more specific manner in the world of the Salem witch trials um, in Arthur Miller's classic play, the crucible. Right. And the Crucible comes 30 years after Haxon. So really, Haxon kind of <laughs> beats him to the punch even with our other. It, it does. Was, yeah, he was talking about – he was using the witch trials as um, a metaphor for what was going on with McCarthyism in the 50s. And it, it's been a while since I've seen Haxon, but I seem to remember there, there being a, a sequence where you know a, a guy is dying and the family sort of accuses this – this woman, I don't know if it was a housekeeper, I'm not sure what it was, of, of sort of bewitching him. Um, so then this woman is pulled away and questioned, and then she, just sort of out of spite, implicates the two women who implicated her. Saying, mm -hmm. yes, I've seen them doing witchcraft and so forth. So these two women are pulled away. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, of course, um, I guess spoilers for The Crucible, if you're not familiar with it, um, but that, that basically, in that film... Um, you know, the antagonists, I guess, um, Abigail is, um, she's using the threat of witchcraft to, um, basically get rid of the wife of this man that she's in love with, that she's had an affair with. So she's, she's right. uh, charging the man's wife with witchcraft so that she'll be put to death and leave him available uh, <laughs> for a relationship. That's like biblical stuff. Right, oh yeah. Right. You know, yeah. you send uh, Bathsheba's husband to the front lines so he gets yeah. killed and then yeah, so you can take Bathsheba. Right. right. Yeah. And oh my goodness. That's very freaky. Uh, like and, and by the way, speaking of freaky stuff, since we were m mentioning hacks and I would I would still I know we reviewed it before, but I'd still like to recommend that to people because of all the witch movies in existence, which really there aren't that many witch films. I, I still say that Haxon is one of the most troubling, and it's it's from the twenties, and and it's right. like wow, but it's really disturbing. It's weird and bizarre and crazy. They had some. They have some. Um, definitely, sort of. Well, yeah, it's bizarre is a good way to put it, but they also have some just things you're like whoa, uh, like the like the two women who uh, who urinate into pots and then throw them on this other person's door. <laughs> You know, and they don't, it's not like they, it's not like they, they show this artistically either. <laughs> yeah. You just see these women squat over pots and 
and then lift it up and throw their contents onto a door. I love mm-hmm. how Dave acts like he's never done that in Pennsylvania. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know what Pennsylvania Not in Pennsylvania. Do. No, they got laws against it here. You cross into Jersey, it's a different matter. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was looking at just it's interesting the time periods of the films and, you know, I I'm not a film historian unlike unlike Dave. So, um but I just in my brief research I've done for this episode, it was interesting to see that a lot of the early, early storytellings dealt more with uh, women and, and men being accused of witchcraft falsely. Uh-huh. And then you kind of get the era of films that are centered more around, well, they actually are witches. Right. Um, and then now in modern times, there's a lot of, we're going to awake or evoke those witches, you know? And so uh-huh. uh, we're bringing, we're reaching back to the Salem witches and we're going to revive the evil from, before in our modern <laughs> times, I thought that's been kind of interesting. To it's interesting, even sorry. even a movie, even a movie like Paranorman. Uh, oh yeah, has roots in that. Yeah, Paranorman is totally um, that storyline. It's it's very similar to Lords of Salem, for instance, right. or, or Mark of the Witch. I was able to see, which is a 1970 film, so right around the same time mm-hmm. as some of these others. And that's a really interesting film. It's set in the modern era. Have either of you guys seen Mark of the Witch? No. No. No, I have not. It's really good, actually. It's directed by Tom Moore. It has a very cheesy vibe to it. Like, it feels like, in some ways, like an episode of, like, My Three Sons or, or like, Leave it to Beaver with witches in it. <laughs> wow. Um, I can't even imagine that combination, <laughs> Josh. I'm just saying it's very um, stilted and awkward and cheesy kind of dialogue. Even though it's made in 1970, it feels more like, ah, shucks, 1950s kind of dialogue for a lot of it. Um, but it's kind of a fun idea. So there's a professor in that film who is studying uh, group paranoia, which is what the witch trials were all about, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, and so what he does is he plants at this book drive this ancient old text about witchcraft uh, to a, for a girl to find that he knows is kind of interested in the topic. And then he says, hey, let's have a witch night, and we'll all get around and tell ghost stories, kind of, knowing that this girl's going to bring this book she just found. And um, they decided, and at this party, to kind of invoke a witch, try to contact her and 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 raise her from the dead. And um, you know, it's set within this kind of '70s hipster campus life. Um, <laughs> and the girl really does; she really does contact a witch, and it becomes possessed by her. Um, and it turns out that the professor is uh, a relative of someone who was involved in her death and it's a fun little movie and it, and it, it's a theme that you see repeated and repeated. If you look at the Lords of Salem, for instance, that's a film about uh, music being able to uh, have some, create some kind of trance over the women of Salem. Um, and when a record of this same music is played in our present day, um, it has the same effect and entrances the women of this town. Right. Uh, to participate in witchcraft. And, and of course the character at the center of that Sherry Moon zombies character, she was related historically to the person who put all the witches to death. And so this is, it's kind of this theme you see over and over. And yeah, Paranorman again is a great example. Hmm. What year was that from again, Josh? Uh, the the Mark of the witch is 1970. Wow. Okay. 1970. Interesting. That's the same year as Mark of the devil. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
You know, another film that's not directly related, but it reminds me of the same puritanical, not dissing the Puritans, of course, but puritanical like paranoia, paranoia within a community. And that's a uh, jug face from 2013. Mm, yeah. Great one. And that yeah. has, um, that, that's a really interesting film. I think is underrated. You think, turned me on to that movie actually. Yeah. Like it's, you know, well, first of all, I think the title is a little tr- creepy and then you look at the cover art and it's even creepier and um (laughs) the film itself is a little bit underwhelming to be honest it's more of a drama type horror movie but i I still think there are some really troubling things in it and it it reminds me of this whole witch theme that's like you know somebody in the village is selected to die and they gotta go you know it's pretty freaky why do you think there aren't that many witch movies? I mean, comparative to like all the other kind of monsters, quote unquote, wh- why are there so few witch movies? Well, do, do, I wonder if it has to do with the sort of, um, uh, I guess, some of the, the cliches that go along with them. Yes. The flying around on a broom, the cackling. The, yes. You know, I, I think that might be what sort of, prevent some people from taking them seriously. You know, you look at the wizard of Oz or so, you know, exactly. something like that, which as a kid, I can see some kids being a little creeped out by that witch in the wizard of Oz. I was, I was terrified. Yeah. I, I was scared too. me. <laughs> Absolutely. And then those flying monkeys and everything, you know, mm-hmm. but um, you do, there is a tendency to think of the, um, you know, the Halloween costume of it all. Like it's right. hard to kind of imagine which is now and not think of Hocus Pocus, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, Jay, you know, and yeah. I think there were a lot of just kind of Witches of Eastwick or something yes. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Practical Magic. Was that the one with um, oh, Nicole yeah. Kidman? In it? <laughs> yes. That was or, a bad movie. Or, or Bewitched, right? Bewitched. Is another oh, great right. Elizabeth Montgomery. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when they, you know, because the Wizard of Oz had good witches like Glenda, you know, that really took some of the, you know, the sting out of a witch. So I think. Well, that's the case with Harry Potter now. Like, I think oh, most yeah. kids, right. if you ask my kids about witches, probably Harry Potter is the first thing that they're going to say. And, and, um, and that always yeah. bugged me because those are males. So, I mean, wouldn't they be warlocks? I mean, it always bugged me to call Harry Potter. Well, they're wizards in the show, so it's like witches and wizards. Okay, well, that's better. That's better. Not a Harry Potter fan, everybody, so that's why I'm a little... (laughs) I mean, it's okay, it's okay. But but yeah, so so I guess then our answer is witches really aren't scary to our culture. At least the monsters themselves aren't that... I think they could be. I think they could be, too. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a movie called... Uh, the witches mm-hmm. that there yeah. was one Angelica scene where, Houston film. Yeah. The Angelica Houston. Now I've never seen the whole thing, but I did see one particular sequence <laughs> yeah. where all these women are gathered and they just start turning into these witches. Mm-hmm. They turn this little boy into a mouse. And I think this was maybe a children's movie or it wasn't, I want to say it was PG. I don't think it was. Yeah, a, it is, like, I mean, it is a kid's film, but it is terribly um, like I've, I saw it as a, you know, a younger person. And then I saw uh-huh. it recently and it is totally way too disturbing. I wouldn't show it to my kids. Right. That's what I'm thinking. It's, it's, it's like geared towards children, but yet there are scenes in that. And that the one I'm talking about specifically that I mean, even are, Hocus Pocus, Jay, isn't that a little intense for kids? What did you think? Um, no, I mean, my kids were completely fine with it tonight. And even my f- five-year-old daughter who can be sensitive, she was cool with it. But, um, 
But yeah, so there is something, there is something there that seems to scare children. And I wonder if it has to do with the whole, you know, Hansel and Gretel thing, which, which brings me to Witch Hunters from 2013. I'm not a huge action horror fan, but those witches were done pretty well. And, and if you think about the way that, you know, that whole story of Hansel and Gretel and baking, you know, children in the oven, that's pretty freaky, actually. It's terrifying. Hansel and Gretel scared the crap out of me when I was actually I was in yeah. a production of Hansel and Gretel. I played Hansel um, oh, no. in fifth grade. <laughs> you would have made a perfect Hansel. I was. Yeah, I, I have a little song that I would sing and a dance. Do it. Um, do it. I'll do. I'll save that for another occasion. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was the highlight of the fifth grade for me, for sure. It was like a high school play. And I was, you know, uh, they had Hansel and Gretel a lot younger than the other characters. So they recruited right. some fifth and sixth graders to be in the high school play. Nice. Was it freaky? I mean, did they, how far did they go There was go a giant oven that we were supposed to get into. Yeah. Oh, well, even in um, The Visit, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's movie, when there was that oven scene, that conjured wi- within me oh, yeah. some of that Hansel and Gretel yeah. fear again. That and is uh-huh. terrifying, that scene. It's got to be the scariest scene in the movie for me. Yeah, like it's that's upsetting and, and troubling. Like, but I think that version of a witch, unless it's used well, like in the vig- visit, is the more cartoonish kind of version. You know, the witch's version, the hocus pocus version. I think for me, the one that has potential is more the Paranorman, the Mark mm. of the Witch, the Lords of Salem. Even though none of well, I love actually Paranorman, but the other two are not great movies. But, um, like, I feel like the plot or the synopsis um, for Lords of Salem is amazing. I don't personally like the direction the film goes or just Rob Zombie's kind of grading approach to cinema, it seems, <laughs> lately. Like, he's like, how grading can I make this for the audience? <laughs> um, but I, I love the concept. And I love the idea of resurrecting like this prior evil that we talk about, like in a lot of, um, you know, slashers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is a scary concept. And, you know, uh, I would say this year's the witch is a great example of how it can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, even in that historical setting, let alone now I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what about like when you're talking about witches done, right? Even it's it's not a horror movie, but like things like the Beast Master, um, or like let's see, yeah, yeah, I believe that's the, the one where it has, Master. yeah, where it has like the three, yeah, that's right, the three blind witch sisters. Oh, in are it. you thinking Clash of the Titans? Yeah, that might be Clash of the Titans. I always no, get those. Two. Hamlet. Yeah, <laughs> Hamlet yeah. has it too, or Macbeth. Yeah, that has it too. But I always oh, get it right. mixed up. And I like Macbeth. the um, the three hundred witches. Do you remember those witches? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those pretty are freaky. Oh, yeah. They were, they were as well too. But yeah, the ones in um in Clash of the Titans, they were trying to lure Perseus in closer so they could throw him in the pot and eat him. Right. You even see this hand come out of the pot and they push it back down and they shared an eye. Yeah, that that little glass crystal ball right. was their eye. Otherwise, they oh, were blind. Excellent. Yeah, that's yep. a pre- that's pretty freaky stuff. That's the original Clash of the Titans from like what is it, Doc? Nineteen eighty one. I think I think yeah, because I remember Man. I saw that in the um. 81 or 82, I saw that when it came out in the theater. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, and I, that was, I, I, I'm, that's the only Ray Harryhausen movie I ever saw on the big screen. Oh, that's a buy right there. That's a 10 Absolutely. out of 10 to me. But yeah. So it's interesting, like, the witches, the Hansel and Gretel style witch that we kind of think of as the classic witch now, 
those stories weren't published. You know, the Brothers Grimm didn't publish their stories until the early 1800s. So this is actually after the end of kind of the witch trial era, or at least the high point of the witch trial era. It was it was dead or dying um, by the time the Brothers Grimm released their version of witch. And so really witchcraft, as understood prior to that, was a lot different. And even in the early days of the witch hunt era, like the 1400s, then it was um, possible, I guess, to have these magical powers, but it wasn't necessarily packs with the devil. That didn't really come in until very late in um, the witch finding era. And I think that was kind of when it overlaps with the Inquisition that we start seeing mm-hmm. um, that it has some sort of uh, relationship to the devil, which it hadn't previously. Yeah, I'm glad uh-huh. you brought that up because, yeah, that becomes one of the, the stronger, like in terms of like, I guess, horror aspects to the monster. I mean, for me, that becomes one of the stronger elements of the whole witch thing is that they are they are servants and, and and I guess not just representatives, but almost like um, what's the word I'm looking for, guys? Like strong arms that carry out his will. Right. Yeah, and in some cases, they're they in many cases they're kind of like the lovers of the devil. The witches are often invoking right. Right. my love, you know, my lord, that kind of thing to Satan. That that seems to be pretty prevalent in a lot of witch films. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. freaky. Well, I mean, what Dave was describing there reminded me a little bit of a movie from like 1972 that I <laughs> helped review on Terror Troop. And by the way, I did a terrible job on that episode, but it was called Virgin Witch. And um, <laughs> that movie, it, it was just, it was very no. hard. Yeah. I, it, I've not seen, I haven't seen Virgin Witch, but I think Redemption put that out on, uh, it was part of their collection on, uh, oh, man. on Blu-ray. That is a very low priority. It was a total avoid for me. What about, guys, things like Suspiria? <laughs> no, I figured you were going to bring Suspiria. that one up. I, I, know, I, enjoy I know. I enjoy it, too. I, I enjoy it, too. And I can, you know, but I can understand why it's, 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 it's some people don't, it, you know. It has a couple of good scenes in it, I will say. I mean, mm-hmm. you it's know. It's got some amazing horror scenes. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's an interesting example of kind of a modern coven and um, I like the kind of hive element of it, that, you know, that's similar to like uh, the head vampire. Like you have to kill the head witch. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. That's, fun. that's cool. Uh, Just more of this, please. More of this. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I, I got to say, Jay, it's, it's amazing to me that you didn't like Suspiria, but you liked that Mother of Tears. Oh, yeah. I, I oh, did love Mother that. Mother of Tears that's was unwatchable good. junk. You know what, Dave? I got to say this. I honestly believe that you watched that like in a bad mood or under uh, no. terrible circumstances. Jay, Maybe I you were tired. It perfectly fine. Ma- it's horrible. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. <laughs> Josh, did you see Mother of Tears? I have no idea what you guys are even talking about. Um, it's like the third chapter, I think, in Argento's. Yeah, it's in okay. Argento. It's, in, um, it's, oh, Argento. it's in the Mother's Trilogy. Yes, it's in the yeah. Mother's Trilogy. And. It's uh, yes, it has it's it has some effective violence violence in it. Oh yeah, but it makes it's no the- sense. <laughs> you watch the movie. And <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to get too deep into it. It's been a while since I've seen it. We reviewed that. What was that, Jay? What, what, the, what was the, the weekly horror movie podcast? Weekly horror movie podcast. <laughs> we we went back and forth on that. We one, yeah. yeah, we fought about it, but um, 
We didn't. I can't. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't like Suspiria, but you liked that garbage. Oh, it was way for me. It was way more entertaining, at least Ooh. than. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to hear what the listeners think, and I'd love to hear Josh's take on it. If you get a chance to see it, Josh, because I'd love to do. I mean, I was just thinking that when we were talking about Suspiria, I had I had not seen that one, and um, you just didn't. You just do Inferno. Yeah, well, let's see. What was it I just did over on... Or what did you just do? Phenomena. Yeah, Phenomenon with one sick puppy mm-hmm, on. That's right. Dead anyway, I was thinking it would be okay. fun to do uh, little groupings of films like that. like the Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, like along the lines of what we were talking about with the Fulci... Yeah. Um, you know, Gates of Hell. Do yes, something like that with Argento's um, you know, <sighs> Mother's Trilogy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, I'm ready for that because I'll tell you what, and you guys, you'll be very pleased to hear this, Josh, I think. I saw, this is not a horror movie at all, but I just watched The Assassin, and it was the slowest film I've ever seen in my entire life. I was going to lose my mind, and so I feel like I could watch anything after watching that. So so that prepared you for Suspiria? Yeah, yeah, I think... Strike while the iron's hot here. I'll I'll have to to watch Assassin before I sit down and watch Mother a few years ago. Oh, man. Well, no, uh, the Assassin is incredibly beautiful, but um, but in terms of the pace, it is Mm -hmm. just grueling and punishing. Um, So speaking of unwatchable garbage, though, can we talk about... um, I mentioned the Brothers Grimm in reference to their fairy tales, but do you guys see the Terry Gilliam movie with... uh, uh, Matt Damon and the other guy. I, I did. It was Matt Damon and Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah. I did. Yeah, see I it. did, and I don't remember much about it to be honest with you. But I did it's see. It's not it. good. It's not no, good. It's really. Not. I mean, I it's, love Terry Gilliam. So I do too. To it's not that. one of his better movies. No. no. Um, but it's a great concept. Like Lords of Salem. Like those are two movies you could remake Lords of Salem and brothers Grimm and make really great, mm-hmm. which movies that's that in that film, they're con artists and they're basically going around creating supernatural hoaxes like witches and then fighting them off and, you know, getting paid for their trouble. That's uh, right. Okay. Like such, I said, a, I, such a fun concept. It well, is. And I barely remember it. Well, that's interesting you mention it because just this weekend, coming at the, as this releases, there's a movie called The Brothers Grimsby, <laughs> which is, I think, quite different. But um, okay. I, I just thought I'd bring that No, I wonder when I first saw that that you know title, I thought it was some weird take on The Brothers Grimm, but I think they're just riffing a little bit off of that name. It appears to have nothing to do with. Um, you know, the brothers Grimm and so forth, <laughs> but it's what we're saying is we want a satanic <laughs> <laughs> history based, mm, but modern yes. take on a witch tale. That's our, that would that's be our interesting. Bread bread there. Okay. That would be interesting. I don't know if I want that, but elephant in the room. Um, so the Blair Witch Project, there's a, <laughs> there's a very famous witch movie that, um, you know, yeah. mild spoilers here doesn't show any witch whatsoever. Or it anything. didn't have to. It, yeah. I don't think it had to. And it's not think, about the witch. It's about no. the people and the terror that they're experiencing. Well, and it's usually the case it. with witch movies, right? It is. I, well, to a degree, yeah. I, I mean, at least, I, well, with that movie, by not showing it, it really did heighten the terror. You know, you hear the children's voices in the dark, the tent shaking, the, I don't know. I just thought that the, the, that was, you know, you know, you you wouldn't know if it's a witch. They could have said it was a vampire. They could have said it was anything. 
It didn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just it was it was the not seeing and and ex- yet experiencing. There was that. I just thought it did it so very well. And we talked about this on our uh, found footage episode. Every you know found footage movie does this now, and you can't do it every time. But being that they were kind of some of the first to do it, I think it worked. It worked for that film. They did it well, mm-hmm. well executed, and so. But I, it, I love that movie. Um, yeah. yeah, it's got a, it's had a lot of um, less successful copycats. I appreciate it even today, and I loved it when I first saw it because it was just one of my favorite film going experiences of my life. Uh-huh. You know, because of the circumstances and so forth. But um, it doesn't hold up real well on a rewatch. I mean, the rewatch value to that is pretty low to me. I would I would be interested if anybody did anybody experience. Um, like motion sickness watching the movie. I I went. Uh, I used to work with with uh, with somebody who him and his his girlfriend had gone to see the uh, to, to see the film, and when he came out of it, they had to pull over. He had to get sick. Um, I and, heard um I heard reports of that, but I saw it on a very small screen television. Okay, first. all right. I'm thinking of anybody who maybe <laughs> saw it on a big screen. If if there's any listeners out there who had that experience of of nausea. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. You know, one thing I experienced, I was going to bring this up earlier, but um, I may have even mentioned this in the show before, but I, you know, I was in Colombia this summer and um, in Cartagena, there is a museum built around the palace of the Inquisition uh, for Colombia. And um, it is actually the building where these Inquisition uh, things took place. There's, you know, a, a torture chamber that has a rack in it and, um, Wow. Kind of a, you know, the thing that they hang um, Udo Kier from in Mark of the Devil, they've got one of those oh, wow. where they hang you there and then they add weights to your feet. Um, they've got some crazy contraptions in there. There's one um, where they put this, you know, strap around your neck and then this giant sharp fork that sticks up toward your chin. So you are forced to hold your head back. And if your head drops at all, you're speared by this. Extremely Ooh. sharp fork. Can you put wow. your chin down really easy on it and like? I don't know. It's like razor sharp. <laughs> okay. I probably wouldn't recommend it. All right. They had um, <laughs> they had a thing with a metal strap that goes around your head. You sit on this chair. They strap your head to this board, and then they very slowly turn this gigantic screw into the back of your head. And the screw is like the size of a Red Bull can in diameter. And it was just they would just crank that into the back of your skull. Sounds like something out of saw. There were all kinds of crazy <laughs> saw contraptions. And we had brought our children to this museum and they were just nice. like, Oh, what's this? And it's like this crazy like spike vice that you put over a man's genitals or whatever. Oh, jeez. Um, the guy who was giving us the guided tour, he was funny, Rachel was reminding me um before I started the podcast that he would be like this is uh, if they wanted to, you know, stretch people out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of adapted crazy. it to your kids. That was nice. Right, right. I mean, I don't know what I expected, but I, I don't know. I didn't expect the torture chamber. And they still have the guillotine um, that they used there. And, um, you know, they had I guess, 800 people were tried uh, inside that Palace of the Inquisition in Cartagena. Wow. And zero were found innocent. <laughs> yeah, that isn't that funny how right. that works. <laughs> they had some crazy tests too. They had this thing where 
I'm, I'm not getting this exactly right because it was in like, you know, the metric system or whatever it is. Um, but basically, you know, your height, if you were a woman, they would test your height and then, um, and your weight and the numbers had to match up. Like oh. the centimeters high you were had to be the same as the number of kilos you weighed or whatever. Oh, which whatever. like oh. never happens, right? Like right. <laughs> I mean, you have to be just like, you know, the perfect model of health to pass that witch test. <laughs> which is ironic because you'd have to actually be a witch in order to pass that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I had a list here of questions they asked you to find out if you're a witch. Let's see if Dave's a witch. Okay, Dave. What okay. evils have you caused and to whom? What evils <laughs> have I caused and to whom? I mean, the thing I like about it is the presumption that you've caused evils. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, now i got to sit here and think of an evil. <laughs> yeah, and so here's another one where, where the presumption is that you're a witch. What words do you pronounce when you fly? So basically, what's the spell to fly? <laughs> what does the devil cause you? Why does the devil cause you blows at night? So like all these questions wow. have built into them the assumption that you're a witch. Exactly. Right. It's, Good like, it's not even, it's not even right. saying, have you flown at night? It's yeah. what, what, do you, what do you utter when you fly at night? It's wow. like, have you stopped beating your wife? Like that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so supposedly the Spanish Inquisition led to the end of the witch hunt era. Um, but definitely, I mean, I can tell you from Cartagena, there was a huge amount of overlap there, at least. Wow. The, the height of the witch hunting era was actually um, the time period that we see depicted in Witch Hunter General. Which is mm. or Witchfinder General, which I think is interesting. That is uh, interesting. Matthew Hopkins, when he was active, was uh, during the very height of um, the witch hunt era, and he himself sent more people to the gallows than had been sent to the gallows for witchcraft in the previous hundred years. That's I, I saw that it was like he and he. When you look at everybody who was executed for witchcraft, I think he was responsible for more than two thirds of them. And he only operated for like three or four years. Um, there were, as I see in Europe, um, which is where both of the films we're discussing um, primarily tonight take place, there were a total of 80,000 trials wow. um, and 35,000 people uh, convicted of witchcraft Whew. and executed for witchcraft. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. That's crazy. I wonder, I wonder like, if, if we could only know, like, what percentage were actually guilty? I bet you it's like zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's it's if 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 not zero one, you know? yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. That's horrifying. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You and know, I it, it's I just want to say this is we talked about this before, but you know, I'm a man of faith. I'm a believer, but it, it's crazy how like it seems to me that the majority of wars in the world and a lot of the killings and awful things we do to people are over like belief systems or or religion or in the name of belief systems but actually about you know as we'll see in which fighter general land and right right women and mm -hmm. money you know yeah yeah so like that's um i when i talk to people because like you know i was uh a proselytizing uh, missionary for my church for a couple of years and when i when i would talk to people i would run into people all the time who were like there have been too many 
wars and people killed over religion, so I just don't want any part of it, you know? And it's like, right, and then and, and that, that is something that a lot of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clarify the reason I'm saying women um, is because men were doing all of the atrocities in history for the most part. So what I should have said was sex, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was often because men were taking advantage of their positions of power. And, and one mm-hmm. of the things you were you, you were touched on, Josh, is about the you know the tests, about the questions. Yeah. Um, and when we get into witch, witch finder general, you're gonna you're gonna find some, and those were actual tests that they administered that they were doing in that movie. Those were actual yeah. tests that they would that they would do. And and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the one that that got me that it's it's almost comical if it wasn't so horrifying was you were bound and thrown into the water. If you floated or tried to swim, you were a witch. If you drowned, you were innocent. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Either way, you're dead. Yep. One way out. <laughs> That's it. And of course, you're going to float. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, um, you know. And that was one of um, of our Witchfinder General's tests that he came up with. He had a book called uh, or, uh, Discovery of Witches that mm-hmm. he used as his pamphlet. And then that was also um, the same uh, work that was used as. Uh, a manual in the early witch hunts in the United States or, you know, in, in the North America, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. Um, but he, uh, he had a couple different things. He had one, which was, I'm going to stab you with a knife or it was right. actually like a, a sewing tool, I believe. It was like a, gonna, like, you know, like a needle almost yeah. type of thing. Like, I'm yeah. going to stab you. And then if you don't bleed, you're a witch. Well, it turns out they would actually even have, retractable blades on these things. They would have a, a sharp end and a blunt end, and they would use sleight of hand to say like, look, I poke this person, they bleed. Right. But I poke this person, no blood. Um, and so they were very nefarious and, and, uh, and had no intent of actually sniffing out any culprits. They were actually, no, it's, it's as soon as, as soon as the town's folk would say, Hey, we think this person's a witch. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy grail. Yes. Where, where they've got this woman and they're like, you know, she's a witch, she's a witch. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at her nose and it's like, look at her nose. And like, she's like, they put this on me. And they're like, well, we did do the nose. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, William uh, Solo Jr. from the Sci-Fi Podcast for Kill Bill Kill, he was talking to me about that this week, actually. Um, and he was saying that in Monty Python – you know, on the commentary, they talk about, yeah, the reason that they were trying that woman was because she wouldn't have sex with them. Like that was the, that was the backstory of that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Atrocities. It's, right. It's, it's, so it's real. You know, I mean, right. That, that's the thing. It's comedy it's based on reality. Yeah. When we get to uh the mark of the devil, I mean, that movie opens up with the rape and killing of nuns. That's the, that's the opening credit sequence. You know, I mean, it's um, some gnarly stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's move into our feature review of the Witchfinder General. You will each be tied in a prescribed fashion and cast into the moat. Only from the pen of Edgar Allan Poe could come such an horrendous tale of terror. The Conqueror Worm. Starring Vincent Price in the most diabolic role of his career. Look for the devil's marks upon him. Get on with your task. The distorted genius of Poe creates poetic beauty. This movie is from 1968. 
It was directed by Michael Reeves and um, stars Vincent Price as uh, Matthew Hopkins. Matthew Hopkins was a real, uh, a real person. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, uh, Vincent Price has played a lot of really sinister characters in his career. But um, for this series that he did in 1982 for Iowa Public Television, where he was introducing his movies, he said that Matthew Hopkins was the most bloodthirsty character he ever portrayed. Yeah. Mm. Wow. You know, and, and when you find out, you know, what this guy did as you're watching this movie, um, really what it is is, you know, we, we have this story of, of um, a soldier. This It's set during the... the uh, the uh, British Civil War, or the English Civil War, you know, so the Civil War in England with um, um, you had the parliamentary forces of Cromwell going up against Charles I, uh, his loyalist army. Um, and it takes place in East Anglia, which is where Cromwell was from. So that's very parliamentary. You know, it's, it's an area that's, that's very loyal to the, to, um, the parliamentary forces or, or as, as aligning themselves with the parliamentary forces. Well, there's a soldier played by Ian Ogilvie, and he's in love with um, this woman named Sarah. Um, uh, Hillary Heath is the actress who plays her, and she's the niece of, of this um, of a priest, John Lowe's. And he's in this this town. I think it was Brandiston. And, um, you know, uh, the, the soldier went and paid her a visit there, and the priest was like, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll let you marry her. Yes, you can marry her, but I want you to get her out of here. You know, he sensed something was, was coming down the road. What had happened was he was considered almost like a loyalist. He was considered like uh, uh, he had aligned himself with the king by the people in this town. So in comes Matthew Hopkins. Okay, he rides in and he's got this uh, assistant, John Stern. Uh, and they arrive in Brandiston and um, all of the, um, uh, the citizens of the town are saying, we think this priest, you know, John Lowe's, he's a, he's a witch. He's a witch. Uh, he's definitely a witch. We've seen him um, talking with, you know, consorting with animals. We've seen him make the sign of the devil, whatever. Um, so I thought it was interesting because Matthew Hopkins originally is like, well, let's go see. Let's go, you know, just sort of test this out. Well, the moment he walks in there, he's a witch. <laughs> you know, that, that's it. He's, he's a witch. And that's how he's questioning this person. This priest yep. is, is originally like, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And he's like, but you consort with, with evil. You do that. You know, it's, it's like it's not even... It's not even a let's ask the questions. It's just a, you must be a witch, you've been accused of it, so let's get on with it. And they do that test that Josh was, was um, referencing, where they, they, they look for what they call the mark of the devil, which is the part on the body that the, that the devil hid on the body, where if you stab it, it will not bleed. So they're testing all areas of this guy's back to find this air, this one area. He's going to like... Oh, he can bleed everywhere else. But yeah. when you find this one area and he doesn't bleed, that proves he's a witch. They're stabbing the guy to death, essentially. They really are. They're like stabbing him in the back with his needle. Um, just continuously. And it's a it's it's I'd say a, a somewhat graphic scene. Yeah. You know, for, for nineteen sixty eight, they don't they don't shy away from this. Well, this movie was highly censored in the UK. Um they cut a lot of that stuff out of the UK version of this film when it when, right. I, when it first aired, not in the United States, but no, at least in the right. US. Yeah, and so anyway, that there's we come to find out what what Matthew Hopkins is. Um, I, I want to say Achilles' heel is when Sarah finds out what's going on, she offers her 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 um, she offers herself. 
you know, um, to uh, Matthew Hopkins. <laughs> and, and, you know, Matthew Hopkins is like, well, he's, he has to die. He's a witch. Oh, no, can't he just stay in jail for the rest of his life? Well, that wouldn't be justice. And she's like, well, you know, what if I... What if what if what if I give myself to you? And then Matthew Hopkins, all of a sudden, he starts saying, "Okay, let's just leave him in jail." Yeah, he's probably cool in jail. Yeah, he, 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 I think it's okay for him. So they so so he starts going and visiting her every night, as well, one assist, would, as one would, right, right, as one would. Um, and then his assistant John Stern gets word of this, um, and uh, Matthew Hopkins has to leave town briefly to go to another village, and Stern stays behind, and he ends up raping Sarah. Because he's like, well, if, if Hopkins is getting a little something, why can't I? Yeah, I'm in charge now. So right. this is my now I have the keys to the castle. Now I'm getting what whatever whatever he was getting, I'm getting. Well, when Hopkins finds out about this, he's like, well, okay, the jig is up. So I changed my mind about the priest. Let's just kill yeah. him. He doesn't want her anymore because she's been soiled. And so right. now they're going to go ahead and kill this guy that he promised right. he wouldn't. That he promised he was he was not going to kill. Right, crazy. It, 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 and that's when we see the test of bind, bounding them and throwing them in water. And one of the three, there's these two. There's one older woman, a younger woman. It's funny because the really older woman says, "You can't kill me. I'm a child," which obviously nobody believes. Um, but they throw them into the water, and the older woman drowns. So they say that's an innocent person. They were innocent <laughs> of the crime. <laughs> obviously, as, as her dead body is laying there after they fish them out. But the priest and the other one, they survived, and they were thrashing around in the water, so they must be witches. Let's go hang them. I mean, it's its really very – you just see how easy it was. It's so I grim. remember that from the Crucible, how easy it was to just accuse somebody. And, and really, Matthew Hopkins, he needs to justify his position because he gets paid for this. Every town he goes to, they give him money for doing this. Yeah, that's his whole scam is that he um, charges them to rid their town of witches. So he goes yeah. in. He brutalizes a few people, he rapes a few women, and then they the town pays him what would now be like three thousand dollars or three thousand uh, pounds. Right. Then it was like thirty pounds or whatever. Right. Right. Um, to leave. <laughs> basically. Right. Say okay, thank you, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. He's like, all right, fine, job well done. So he was profiting from this. So it it's in his interest. I I don't know. Was he paid by the witch? I'm guessing he was. So it's in his interest to find two, three people that other people have accused and, you know, say, right. okay, you're a witch. On to the next town. Right. And this movie has, um, you know, you see in films often like the burning at the stake film oh. uh, scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're not that compelling to me. I've seen some Joan of Arcs and I've seen uh, Last of the Mohicans. Where know, the fire's clearly in the foreground. You know, in the foreground and they're in the background. I know this has saying, the yeah. most hardcore burned at the stake scene I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Absolutely. it is. Whoa. It is right. crazy. When that really? lit up, you're like, oh my God. God. <laughs> I mean, that's the best. That's the best shot in the whole movie is right. that flame taking hold because you just cannot believe how intense it is. What right. about that? Is it worse, Doctor Shock? I don't. The title is escaping me right now, but there it seemed like there was a film from right around the early '80s that had a burning scene in it that we talked about on the weekly horror movie podcast. It was pretty convincing as well. Was it the burning? No, no, no. It was um, it was the guy who would like lure women into his house and kill them or burn them up or something. There's a scene like that. But anyway, I'll have to, sorry, I'll look into it. I mean, this isn't like extremely graphic. It's just 
like kind of almost breathtaking. It's, it's surprising. Like, it's surprising is what it is because they do it in long shot, you know, and that's not usually what you see. Hmm. Okay. And yeah. Speaking of titles, um, this movie was entitled the conqueror worm, uh, when it was right. released in the United States to try to pass it off as one of Roger Corman's Edgar Allan Poe series. They, 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 you look at the trailer, they even say only the mind of Edgar Allan Poe could conceive a tale as, you know, meanwhile, he had nothing to do real with story. He had nothing to do with it. And it's a real story, <laughs> which is even more horrifying. Yeah. But, but which is we, the weird thing is like, if you look at like the, the disc that I have on the current version that's being released by MGM, it still says Edgar Allan Poe's Witchfinder General. Yeah, and it makes no sense. It, everything that Corman did, it's like, okay, his Poe, his Poe, uh, they were popular, so let's just put Poe in, you know, say, okay, this is an Edgar Allan Poe, and it's it's ridiculous in the in the case of this one. In the case of this movie, it's it's the, probably the most ridiculous of all, seeing as I think people would be more horrified to find out this is a true story than they would that this is based on Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Precisely. Wow. Crazy. So this was a very low budget film, but it it gains this kind of cult fame, um, and part of that is because the director dies. Does he commit suicide? Or I'm not OG? sure. I know he died very young, and I'm not sure if he committed suicide. He or died within uh, like the year that the film was released. It, I wish yes, I had he did. In front of me, but and uh, what's what's really interesting is that um, he did not want Vincent Price for this movie. He wanted Donald Pleasance. That was who he had wanted to play, Matthew Hopkins. That's who he had in mind. Once AIP got involved, they had Price under contract, and they said, no, we're giving you Vincent Price. Well, the two did not get along during this shoot, which is kind of unusual for Vincent Price, because Vincent Price was supposed to be a very genial guy who got along with everybody. Him and Michael Reeves did not get along at all during the making of this movie. Michael, Michael Reeves did not greet him at the airport. Um, there was a scene where Vincent Price was on horseback and he had to fire a pistol between, you know, over the head of his horse between its ears. Well, they put actual blanks into this gun. And Vincent Price said, are you telling me I got to fire this damn thing near the horse? What do you think it's going to do? But Michael Reeves insisted and the horse threw him. The horse threw him to the ground. Um, you know, as Price, and so there was, there was a lot of that. There, there was a lot of back and forth, um, that Vincent Price, it was a very miserable shoot for him. And it's interesting because if you look at his performance, it's not a typical Vincent Price performance. Mm. He's a little more, he's more subdued. And there was a time when I thought it was not a good performance. I'll be honest with you, but I watched this again recently and it is very good, you know, because he plays this guy very calculated. He's very cold, very calculated. And it, like I said, it's not a typical Vincent Price performance. Even Vincent Price thought that this was probably his, his best performance that he's ever given. Oh, wow. Was in The Witchfinder General. Um, and later on, he wrote like Michael Reeves a 10-page note, you know, thanking him. He said, I see what you were trying to do now with, with everything that we had gone through with this movie. Because for him, it was a miserable experience. Um, so, yeah, it says that um, Witchfinder General um, – received part in part this cult status because of Reeves death, which happened nine months after the original release of the film. Okay. At the age and what of was it for? Was it suicide or I know it was a drug overdose. Oh, a drug overdose. Okay. Yeah. It's sad. All right. So side note, sorry to cut in. So that movie I was talking about with the burning is uh don't go in the house from 1979. 
Oh, wow. And it's about a disturbed young man who is, was burned as a child by his sadistic mother, and he stalks women with a flamethrower, and I guess he has this steel room where he hangs them up and burns them. Was I on that episode? I don't think I've ever, I don't remember seeing that movie. It was episode 11 of the weekly horror movie podcast, which we have linked. If you remember, we would take weeks off. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I do remember. In the early days, like each host would get one week off. I remember that. I remember well. So yeah, let me look here. So um, just, yeah, you were, you were off that week actually. So you were not on that. I don't remember ever seeing that movie. But it sounded like that's um, everybody on the show that night had said that that was one of the most convincing burning scenes they had ever witnessed. And okay, so that's one other um, little bit of trivia here that I just came across. Um, you know, the film was censored for violence in the UK, as I mentioned. Um, there were actually a- additional nude scenes shot for the German release, and those were only done for the German release. And they were shot after hours, after the rest of the crew wrapped, uh, because the director said he wouldn't take part in the filming of the scenes. So he would leave, and then uh, they'd bring in someone else to shoot the scenes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I went, They just thought it would sell better in Germany like that then? Is that UK what wants less violence. The Germans say, we're not going to take it unless you throw some nude women in it. Yeah, right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, sells. Okay, so uh, <laughs> any other comments on this one? You guys have me really intrigued. I'm bumming I didn't get to see it. Yeah, Jay, I mean, this is mostly historical epic, or I don't know if epic's the right word. It's a historical uh, piece mm-hmm. more than anything else, a historical drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it is based on true story, and it's, I don't know how how vigilant it is at adhering to the details of real life, but in general, it's a it's the story uh, that happened. Um, the tests I know were based on reality. Yeah, and the, and it's all documented in his yeah. book. He has this. Yes. He has this book, as, as we mentioned. Um, I don't, you know, the specifics specifics of these characters. I don't know that any of that. Right. I think they, they might have been more of a like a creation for the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but, uh, but I think it might feel a little dated and slow to you, Jay. Okay. Um, it's just a warning for you because I, I know you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, there, you know, Vincent Price looks like one of the three musketeers uh, for right. the majority he of does. the film. I mean, that's the, that's the gear that these characters are wearing. It's um, of that era. So I'm not sure it's your cup of tea in that sense, but it's definitely one <laughs> worth checking out if you get a copy of it or you get a hold of it. It, it, it would be worth seeing some of the big scenes, I think. I don't know if you'll love the movie. Uh-huh. Glad. See, uh, that's great. It's so great to have your own personal film critic friends who can tell you what you'd like. We, don't, we're going to have to start giving movies a an overall rating and a J rating. That's right. So what, I mean, Mark of the Devil is more so. Um, maybe I'll save it for that because this okay. this film, although it is pretty intense at times with the the real life depictions of these witch uh tests mm-hmm. the rest of the movie is a little dry um it's more I think of a drama in that respect yes yeah. it is uh, and this guy trying to protect this girl i think vincent price is a big reason that this has become a cult classic mm-hmm. um this would be my guess yeah oh definitely definitely but but it's fun it's interesting um and i'm interested in you know this genre i guess and so for me uh, I would call this a rental. I don't. I don't know that it's a buy it unless you're a, um, you have either a witch hunt 
enthusiast or a Vincent Price enthusiast. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably a rental for most people. And I would give this one a 6.5. Okay, that sounds okay. fair. What about you, Dr. Shock? I'm right around there. I'm like around a 6 or 6. I'm going to say 6.5 as well. I have actually been harder on this movie in the past i enjoyed it more this time than i did the last time i saw it uh i didn't think vincent price was very good the first time this time i think he is uh i think i liked the understated performance that he gave in this um and just uh, maybe it's from having having after seeing mark of the devil seeing another movie along this lines but i'd say a rental yeah and it is it does there are some some slower parts to it um there are some dramatic scenes that, um, like I said, this guy's trying to protect this woman, uh, and you, you get more of that um, than scenes like that. I think than than some other than some horror fans might be used to, but it's worth it's definitely worth seeing. Okay, so that film is from 1968, and it's called Witchfinder General or The Conqueror Worm. Right. And at this point in episode 84 of Horror Movie Podcast, we'll move into our feature review of Mark of the Devil. Mark of the Devil. It's a sacred duty to tell us the truth. Name just one of your accomplices and the executioner will stop the torture. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. We must not let her die yet. I want confessions, not corpses. When you asked me three years ago to become my pupil, I warned you not to see an idol in me. On the difficult path we are going to go together, I said. Many innocent people are going to die. I said that to you. I remember the day. Stop that witch! So Mark of the Devil is a 1970 film that benefited greatly from the cult status of Witchfinder General. Um, This film also features witch hunters and a witch finder general. Um, and this one is more uh, fictional in nature than was the original in terms of uh, the characters that it's depicting, but it did also utilize uh, traditional or historical forms of torture and witch finding or discovery. So um, this was a kind of an interesting film. It stars Udo Kier, I guess would be the star of this one. Um, he's a witch hunter and apprentice to Herbert Lom, and he's a faithful guy. He believes in what they're doing, but over time he starts to see, um, partially because he falls in love with a young woman who's accused of witchcraft, and partially um, from seeing the dark side of his mentor, he stops believing in the cause uh, that they're engaged in. Uh, throughout the course of the film. And that is kind of um, the main thrust. The point of this movie, in my opinion, is to essentially add in some really hardcore violence to a story that is essentially the same as the one found in Witchfinder General. Uh, this film was shot in Austria, so it takes place as par- in Germany, Um as part of that kind of inquisition or witch hunt era there, um, as opposed to the Spanish inquisition or, uh, what was going on in England with witch finder general. Um, but it's essentially the same story. It's these guys going from town to town, sussing out witches and punishing them and doing so in what seems to be a rather haphazard manner. Basically any woman who, 
uh, you know, stands up for herself <laughs> against right. a man is then uh, forcibly, uh, you know. Well, I think it's it, there's one that were murdered. Exactly. There's, there's this one who's a nun. She bore a child. They said it must be Satan's child. She says she was raped by the bishop. Well, they're not going to have that. Right. So they said, no, it must be Satan. Um, they tie her to a rack, which stretches her <laughs> pretty, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant scene that. Um, Very convincing. And then they, right? Yeah. And then they do. And then they end up um, ripping her tongue out by the root. Which, which seems to be depicted somewhat on the cover art, right? The poster right. art. Yeah. The Blue Underground mm-hmm. DVD cover, yeah, has that uh, image of that torture device. Again, I'm assuming most of these are historical torture devices. Right. Pretty brutal. Yikes. Um, I, in some ways, this is basically, um, you know, this historical drama, as is with Trender General. I would just say with a bunch of torture porn thrown in for good measure. I mean, right. um, it's almost an early torture movie in a lot of ways. It's it's very similar to Witchfinder General, but they just up the ante on all the gore and torture that these women are enduring um, oh. and men uh, at the hands of these Witchfinders. So and, it, you do, and you do get the horror of, you know, the innocent people. There's this one nobleman who has been accused of um, consorting with uh, the devil He's a blasphemer, uh, but it turns out that they want his land. The church wants his land. So they even try to swing a deal with him. You know, when Herbert Lom shows up, they try to swing a deal like, hey, look, why don't you just sign this? We'll let you go. We'll take the land, and that's that. Well, the baron is fighting. He doesn't want to do that. But the bottom line is, it's like, okay, well, either you sign this, or we're going to condemn you, and we're going to execute you as a heretic. Either way, we're getting the land. And I think that that's a lot of what you would see back then. It's just they, they were it was for it was it was for multiple reasons that people were convicted, whether to justify the position like in Matthew Hopkins and and to profit from it or the church is saying, hey, this guy's got this really profitable, you know, this this land over there that we can use. Why don't we try to get that? Um, why don't we just call right. him a heretic? Right. So just a quick question when you're talking about like the the torture scenes in this kind of film, like as far as holding up to what we see today in that kind of a film, like what's the comparison there in case like somebody's into that? It's not far off. I mean, yeah, it might not be to the level of the same graphic, but I think it's, it's darn near. And I think there are some scenes that are, yeah, I mean, you know, it's got the realism problem of any gore in 1970 that right. blood is too red and, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Right. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it is brutal. Like, you wince when, these, some, you know, some of these acts are taking place. It's right. not pretty. Yikes. No, it's not. I mean, they used to, from what I understand, um, and this was obviously a, a marketing ploy, but they would um, give out uh, barf bags. To some people, yeah. and when they were going into the theater, when the movie was released movie. in the United States, you got a barf bag as right. part of you know as your program. So how cool would that be if you had something that had like a like one of those things? That's a collector's item now. Udo Kier um, was selling them on his website for a time. That there's a clip of him on the DVD <laughs> saying, "Hey, come to my website and you can buy the barf bag." And I actually went to check it out, and his website's not active anymore. Oh, but uh, darn it, I know. <laughs> That's a great this is a, stuff right there. This is a very young Udo Kier. Didn't he look extremely young in this? Oh my gosh, he's 
gorgeous. I mean, he's the most beautiful part about this film is just the close up of his face. He's beautiful. I mean, I, I've always thought he was an interesting looking actor and kind of cool Mm -hmm. looking, but my primary, you know, interaction with him is as an older gentleman. Right. Uh, You know, I've seen the Andy Warhol films, uh, Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. uh, Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula. But he's still not even as young and vital. This is like his third movie, I think. I I, I think maybe even his first real movie. I think he'd done a short film and a low-budget black and white film. This is his first film he did in color. So this is very early on in his career. I mean, he's... I'm not joking. He is gorgeous. Like, it's <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> he's, he's a good-looking, no, good-looking I mean, lad. He, he, and he and he's just so incredibly young. I mean, he looks like he's he looks like he's 24, 23. He looks. I don't know. Maybe he was. Yeah. But he. But he's got those crazy young. eyes that, as an old man, you just look like they look like crazy eyes. Right. Right. But as a young man, he just they're like intoxicating. I feel like I'm giving away too much. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to see Herbert Lom in, in a movie like this. I mean, growing up, Herbert Lom to me was um, Chief Inspector Dreyfus in the Pink Panther movies. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, and, and just it's that sort of twitching and every day and every way, every, I'm getting better and better, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and to see him in, in movies like this, and he was also, he had done some things with, um, uh, Jess Franco, like uh, I think he was in 99 Women. I'm pretty sure he was in that one. So, and he was in Count Dracula. He played Van Helsing in um, in Jess Franco's Count Dracula to right. Christopher Lee's uh, Vampire. So he's done these sort of movies before, but that's just how every I can't look at him without thinking of of Chief Inspector Dracula. He really is. I mean, it's his most prominent role, and the one where you really like get a good look at his face doing all these ridiculous contortions and right. Um, but he's excellent in this movie. He does a oh, fabulous yeah, absolutely. job. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to think of this one now. So it almost sounds like, so how come you guys, um, it almost seems like you don't appreciate it though, as much as the Witchfinder general. Well, actually, to be honest with you, I like it maybe a little bit more, but hmm. I think it's because this is the movie that, sh- that really showed me, um, just the horror of you could just be somebody. You, if somebody, you get in an argument with somebody, and they get to to a holy man before you do, you're going to be condemned as a witch. Yeah, you know they say I saw him, cons- you know, um, consorting with a goat, and talking with a horse, and making signs of the devil, and dancing naked in the moonlight. Um, and okay, now prove you didn't, that's what they're going to do. And they're going to come and you're going to be hauled away and you're going to be murdered as a witch. I think that this movie was one of the ones that, that really showed me that, the just how awful <laughs> this whole thing really was. For, for a person like me who believes in the, the 10 commandments, for example, like that, that, that was law that came from God, then, then it, it makes sense to me that. Maybe that commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness, <laughs> was probably designed for this era. <laughs> it could very well be. I mean, like Jay, it's like you, like you and I. Um, if I got to the Herbert Lom character, you know, because I didn't like the high rating you gave, you know, Mother of Tears, <laughs> and I told him, well, I saw Jay doing these things, you would have been hauled away. Mm-hmm. See, and that's the thing. 
that, that's the thing. The, the church, they don't, they don't care. For them, it's almost like just a, a stand. It's like, it's like uh, for power, okay, he's been accused. He's a witch. Boom. Uh, or a war, you know, I guess a witch. She's a witch. Whatever. Um, it's it, for them. It's it's in their. It's always in their best interest to have these people condemned as witches. Mm. You know, be, to, just to show their their standing. I think one of the things in the Crucible where, you know, the uh, the 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 young girl goes too far is when she realizes the priest is on to her, and she goes to the the sort of superior priest and says, "Oh, I've I think he might be a witch." And then the other superior says, "No, you're wrong. You're wrong." You know, and yeah. that that was like the one time where where it's like, okay, now you're going too far. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, great to answer your question. I think that Witchfinder General feels like the classier film of the two. Like to me, um, that feels like I don't know more of a classic film. But I like this one more a bit as well. It has a bit more of a schlocky vibe to it. I think because Udo Kier's in it, it feels a little. I don't know, like a little bit more like an Andy Warhol film, a little bit more like a hammer film. Like if it just has kind of that vibe, the music is awesome. It has this really almost like cannibal Holocaust type of music that plays in direct contrast to the imagery that you're seeing on screen. Mm, That's Um, cool. And that appeals to me. Yeah. Um, But it really is like the first torture porn. I don't, I don't know enough about, cinema to be able to claim that but it's it's an early example of just torture thrown into what is otherwise this historical drama um it's crazy just from the marketing so the original title of the film was um hexenbiss alf's blutkequelt and that's um witches tortured till they bleed is the german title of the film wow <laughs> and if you look at the poster it is not unlike the blue underground DVD cover on IMDb, but it actually, it like ma- the majority of the poster is dedicated to telling you how gruesome the film is. Yeah. I'm looking at it here. It's, it's funny. <laughs> positively the most horrifying film ever made. Yeah. Then there's a, then halfway down, it says guaranteed to upset your stomach. Right. And under that, it says the first film rated V for violence. And Which then along I don't the know. Bottom, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and then along the bottom, it says, due to the horrifying scenes, no one admitted without a vomit bag. It says that right. on the poster. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those so marketing really people, I tell you. Right. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's some like William Castle stuff right there. Yes, so. it is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, well, let's move into ratings on this then. Um, I, Wolfman Josh, what do you rate Mark of the Devil from 1970? I'm going to go ahead and give this one a 6.5 as well. I think it's also a rental. I think horror fans may appreciate it more than Witchfinder General because of the added element of, of gore that's here. Witchfinder General has that horrifying stuff, but this is just kicked up a notch. Um, but if, and I'm going to call it a rental, if you do want to buy it though, uh, the Blue Underground DVD, which I have, is great. Um, and again, I guess for this one, Udo Kier enthusiasts and witch hunt enthusiasts, I would recommend this too. Um, it's got a really good audio commentary from the director and then some weird little interviews like the one I mentioned with Udo Kier hawking uh, vomit bags from his website. So, <laughs> did, did you purchase this um, for this particular review, Josh, I, or what? 
I did. I had already um, purchased a couple of witch films because I was looking at doing a witch episode all the way back in uh, Horror Metropolis. That's why I had bought Mark of the Witch and a few of these others I've discussed tonight and Witchfinder General. But Mark of the Devil, yeah, I bought uh, to do this review. Cool. That's dedication, everybody. There wow. you go. What about you, Dr. Shock? What do you rate Mark of the Devil? I'm going to come in a little higher, actually. I'm going to go 7.5. Mm. And I'll st- stick with a rental too, but um, and I I haven't seen the Blue Underground, but I will say this is one of the f- one of the first three movies that Arrow Video released in the U.S. on Blu-ray, and that's the version <laughs> I have, which has a ton of special features on it. It's actually one of became one of my favorite uh, Blu-rays, and I think it has everything that the Blue Underground does plus. Now you're making me regret my purchase. Now, well, no, this and this is one that well, they just just came out. It came out. I mean, hour just came out. It's about a year ago. What it was is they had a um, was it a Kickstarter campaign where if you if you you know to, to were trying to raise I don't know a million dollars or something for their launch in the U.S., which they raised easily. But one of them was I think for a fifty dollar donation, you got the first three Blu-rays, uh, and it was Mark of the Devil, um, the uh, Spaghetti Western Day of Anger. And was it Blind Woman's Curse, which I think is is like a sort of a, a Hong Kong sort of, uh, you know, uh, Kung Fu sort of film. I think that might have been the other one. But Mark of the Devil, that was the first one I wanted to, to you know, watch. And I did. And uh, it's just, it's great. I mean, the picture is beautiful. Arrow it, it is, you know, it had been mostly, a, a, a for those who aren't familiar, it's been mostly a, a British um uh, label and they've been releasing and they've been noted for it's almost like like the the criterion collection of um exploitation and horror and and so forth was arrow um and then they started releasing here in the u.s and mark of the devil was one of the first three uh and i do recommend i'm I, i'm gonna go i'm still going to go with a rental for the movie okay. but if you see the movie and you like it that arrow blu-ray is definitely worth picking up if I had to recommend some buys for this episode, uh, the two things I'm seeking out immediately are two historical documents. The first one is the pamphlet entitled True and Horrifying Deeds of 63 Witches. That was used to scare people in Germany about um, witches during the witch hunts. And then the other was the mm-hmm. one that Hopkins wrote, uh, The Discovery of Witches, which again was used in the UK and the Salem Witch Trials in the United States. <laughs> Wow. That's great. We're going to have some, uh, Josh is going to like start some witch trials <laughs> here in <laughs> the West. That's fascinating. That's the stuff I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah, it's scary. It's very scary. So that's right. the review of uh, Mark of the Devil from 1970. And it sounds like of the two Blu-rays, maybe Dr. Shock says the Arrow Blu-ray, if you're going to buy it right, the Arrow release. Right. Well, I didn't know. The Blue, the Blue Underground put it out on Blu-ray, or is that just a DVD? The Blue Underground, I, I have the DVD, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. I, gotcha. I thought it was just a DVD release. Uh, but yeah, no, the Arrow Blu-ray would uh, would, would definitely be worth uh, Sounds like the way up. to go. Um, as well, the Witchfinder General is a little difficult to find, just so people know. Um, but mm-hmm. I got this great collection um, it is the MGM Scream Legends series, and they released all of the Vincent Price films that MGM released um, as this pack. Yeah. It's got like 
I don't know, eight Vincent Price movies in one pack for like $25. So And that, and it's and it's also on the Vincent Price Collection Volume 2 Blu-ray that Screen Factory put out last year. Man, every, it's one you just of have the to films up on my that. ante every time. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I was thinking about that, but You're talking to it, Mr. DVD infatuation himself. Jeez. It is part somebody's of it. got a DVD infatuation <laughs> around here. Somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about that before I said it, but no, it it it, it is the the Vincent Price Collection Volume Two on Blu-ray that Screen Factory put out last year. Nobody likes a one-upper, Dave. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, you know, if the listeners are gonna be purchasing something on DVD or Blu-ray, email Doctor Shock or hit him up on Twitter, and you know, maybe get his well, recommendation on yeah, what's but, the best version. Again, Josh's recommendations are the less expensive, uh, you know, because obviously the Vincent Price Blu-ray collection, I think is around $50 or something. And um, what were you saying, Josh, around 25, you get yeah, all the movies. 25 on, yeah, on Amazon. So. If you want the MGM scream legends, Vincent Price collection. There you go. All right. And at this point in episode 84 of horror movie podcast, we're going to move into um, primarily I will say Josh's feature review of the witch and Josh is this is this true we're going to go into spoilers this time because they've heard me talk about it on this podcast as well as on movie podcast weekly they've also may have read my review on this podcast so I'm more interested in hearing from you on this and um, we're also going to get into spoilers is that right. Yeah, well, I mean, I would hope people would listen to this, um, and I hope you'll you'll talk a lot because I I had avoided listening to your review, even though you said, "Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything." I still just didn't want to know anything until I'd seen the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing I did as soon as I saw the movie was put on your review and and listen to it. Okay, and I thought that was great but we need to discuss this more in depth. And so I thought, listen, they already have your review. They've already got your written review. (laughs) Um, We should talk about it with full spoilers. And that will be for the people who have seen the movie. That's right. And and if you haven't seen the movie, um, then don't listen to this yet because I I think, I mean, I know they know I recommend it, but is this something that you're going to recommend people see Josh? Yeah, probably so. It's it's. Uh, I'm not quite as enthusiastic as you, but it's up there. And I and I think the main reason I would recommend not listening to this is because um, it's not a plot heavy movie, and so the few spoilers that we're going to discuss are really the meat of um, of those uh, moments. You know that you're going to get. So I I think if you are spoiled on these plot moments, the film will not be as enjoyable um, because they are kind of the high points between the slow burns. Uh, That's correct. I agree. So without any further delay, let's move into our uh, feature review with spoilers of The Witch. This family. So what you said there a moment ago, Josh, in, in our little preface, I was shocked because when I saw this film, I thought, you know, this is the witch movie that Josh has always been waiting for because to me it's it's very artistic. It's very well done. 
I think there's so much dread. I mean, it just seems like the perfect Wolfman Josh movie. And so I, I, I'm kind of shocked to hear that you're not quite as enthusiastic as I was. So why is that? Tell, tell us about it. I enjoyed it. I think it's uh, part of that is just the foibles of being a human. And when you hear a movie hyped for over a year before you see it, um, it's hard to not have grand expectations going in. Um, some moron online said <laughs> that um, Black Phillip is up there with Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. That is incorrect. Um, and it's not. Wow. It's just not the right tone. It's not the right message to be sending about the movie. So, so they said the goat, because <laughs> Black yeah. Phillip is the goat. That's correct. The Black Phillip is the goat. They said that he was up there with Michael Myers. What? what? Yeah, he's this great new horror villain. And so I expected that goat. And look, and I avoided everything about this movie. I didn't watch trailers. But, you know, you can't help but hear a little bit here and there. And so I expected this goat to be playing a major role within the course of this film, which, you know, it's an important role, but not a major role. Yeah. This is a dumb complaint. It's not really a complaint. It's just that expectation, you know, created some, um, I don't know, expectations. <laughs> well, I, I, I think, honestly, and I, I'm not trying to go after some unnamed person that I have no yeah. idea who said it, but it, it astounds me that they would watch this film and identify Black Phillip as like some actual um, source character, right? I mean, like uh, Black Phillip is used as kind of like a, a tool. I mean, he facilitates the um, evil agenda of the witch and so forth. But uh, like, I don't see Black Phillip. But not Phillip. even proactively, I would say. Right. It's in the course of the movie. Exactly. I, I, I think this was some of our listeners. So I was just joking when I said idiots, but... um. Okay, yeah, well, I if mean, it's some so, of our listeners, then I take back any sort of <laughs> critical or harsh <laughs> thing that I may have said just now. <laughs> so The Witch is, I guess, technically a 2016 film. This came out at Sundance um, you know, last year and has been sitting you know, around for a year before it could come out. It's written and directed by Robert Eggers. And the subtitle is A New England um folktale and apparently they took much of the dialogue and most of the story from actual journal entries and reports and things that had happened at the time and i think that's lovely like i to me that is a recipe for success right there mm -hmm. i love that notion i love the look of the movie it's beautiful to look at i like most of the actors in the film i think it's really strong there um i i like this movie greatly i mean i don't want to undersell it yeah i just um, put me on the spot to give my recommendation before my review. And so I wasn't sure um, exactly to what degree I'd recommend it, but I, I do like it a great deal. I think um, it's interesting to me that the film rides uh, a line and I wish it rode that line a little bit more because I think the film can be interpreted as an, as actual events that are happening involving a witch or I think it is possible to read the film as um, some sort of hallucination or mm -hmm. panic around the supernatural brought on by 
uh, fear and misplaced religious beliefs. I don't think the film encourages you to read it that way, but I think it's all there if you wanted to do a close reading of the film. Right. Um, And I wish that it did encourage you a little bit more. I wish that there was a, was a more overt um, suggestion that that could be the case. And I wish there was just a little bit more, witch on the crazy side of things and a little bit more, a little bit neater tie in to um, the ambiguous reading of the film. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that is the weakness is that it's just not a little more overt, um, which uh, is not a large complaint. It's, it is a small complaint, but I think I would have just enjoyed it more if I had felt a little more torn. I think it's very easy to watch this movie and not think about it on a deeper level and only think about it as a story about a practical real life, witch. and I think that's the easiest and most obvious reading that probably most people who see the movie will think it, think of it as. Yeah. Like it's a literal witch. Yeah. A literal witch. And Mm -hmm. so I'm a little just bummed out that, um, there isn't a little more effort to make it more easily, easily readable in both ways that's what i that's what i would want that's my fantasy that's interesting because it almost sounds like you're saying you want both sides of the the coin to be because i like drawn it out and further. Like ambiguity. yeah <laughs> i want it to i want it to pull me both ways a little more and i don't think it pulls me enough like i feel like but i think it means to i guess that's my problem with it is i feel like it leaves all you all those pieces of the puzzle but it doesn't encourage the audience to look at them mm-hmm. and so that's my frustration with it see i i do i agree with you i think you're right that it can be read as more of this um kind of this hysteria or this yeah hallucination uh, kind of thing but i do think there were choices that the the filmmaker made robert robert eggers who because like right in the beginning like right in the opening we see a witch and that and that's even before we get uh, the hysteria elements when they start flipping out and stuff were shown a witch. And then in the, in the end, it's almost as if he means to really solidify it. So I, I do lean yes, toward that it's literal specifics because we're in spoilers. Well, so yeah, let's, yeah. Let's start um, ripping this apart. So just to start out, this is a film about a family um, in the 1630s in new England. And, um, as it says on IMDb, a family who was torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. Mm-hmm. So this family has been forced or slash chooses, I guess it's a mutual decision, for, to leave the confines of the um, you know walled community in which they live. And they head out into the American wilderness and forge uh, their own way in a kind of a new homestead. And while living out on this homestead, they are essentially attacked uh, by a witch who's living in the nearby wood. Now, um, this starts out with the disappearance of a baby. Mm -hmm. And um, the scene is incredible. Uh, The young actress, um, who is, is our lead playing uh, Thomason. I guess her name is mm-hmm. Anya Taylor joy. She is excellent in the entire film. 
she's playing a game of peekaboo with this baby and it's done deftly. Um, yes. She's playing peekaboo. And what the thing I love is you always see the characters reactions before you see what they're reacting to. Right. In this film. <laughs> yes. Time and time again. And it's so effective because it just builds this intense um, tension, a, a really insane amount of tension. And, and um, this is the, maybe the best example of it. It's the very beginning of the film. She's playing peekaboo. She closes her eyes and opens them. And then just has this stunned look on her face. And you're thinking, what, what is it? What's going to happen? And then it shows uh, her POV and the baby's gone. Yeah, that it's was, just, it's impossible, right? Like what happens isn't possible. Yeah. And when she looks up, it's very interesting because when she looks up, um, she can see a great distance, right? Where somebody couldn't run with yes. the baby, but um, you see like the twigs or the sticks kind of moving as if something did fly through there with that baby. And then we see this awesome shot. It's depicted so well of this witch running through the woods with the crying baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, horrifying. the following scene is she's having a nightmare and her brother wakes her up. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that that was her that, that was her dreaming an alternate scenario for how her her baby sibling went missing mm-hmm. um we see the witch yes but she's been dreaming now it's not again it's not done overtly enough to really directly tie it to that but it's that is the case um and then she goes and she prays you know and we see um that she is religious she's not um of this kind of satanic mindset that she'll later be acute, be accused of. And we know that right from the beginning. <clears throat> right. <laughs> but there's, but it's altogether possible that this is her fantasy, right? Um, we see the witch a few more times. Now this brother during this first scene where we meet him, he starts, he's leering at his older sister's bosom. She's becoming a young lady mm-hmm. and um, is developing and we catch him leering at her um, later on in the film. He does it again um, when they're by the riverside. Yes. And so what kind of witch does he meet in the wood, but a buxom woman, um, you know, with definite emphasis on the breasts in the way that that's shot. And she lures him in with a kiss. Um, again, there's nothing uh, to tell us that this is, real he wakes up and he's um you know in like a f- an intense fever that he ultimately dies from and this could very well be his fantasy of what happened it could also be his sister's fantasy because like she does throughout the film she wakes up to find him in this state so this could very well be her dreaming again of what has happened to her brother in the wood mm. it makes more sense to me that it's his dream because of we know about his preoccupation with the female form, but um, but it could be hers as well. And then this final scene where we see this transformation of Black Philip into a human being mm-hmm. is preceded by her going into the house, laying her head down on the table and fading to black, and then waking and going and having this experience. So again, this is very possibly a dream. And that is true for all of the witch encounters. There's, it's there. Like you can easily piece that together. But again, it's not. I don't think it's encouraged at all by the filmmakers. So, um, yeah. Um, and I actually think that he was trying what you were hoping for more of. He was trying to give a couple of different 
reads to it. But but as you said, yeah, I don't think he he draws those lines very darkly. Yeah, and I think you could suggest okay, like the goat kills the dad. Maybe that just really happened. Maybe the goat killed those children. Maybe the goat ripped apart that um, that barn. It's quite possible. In which case, he would be Michael Myers-esque. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's quite possible that the children were making up the story about the goat talking to them. You know, they're very quick to latch on to this idea that their sister is a witch. Um, you know, when she just jokes around about it. So it's something that's in the air with his family. They're hyper vigilant with their religiosity. Um, the children all have scriptures memorized and um, the father is very intense and it's admirable even like it's really beautiful the way it's depicted, but you can see that it just verges on this hysteria that we're, we've been talking about throughout this uh, yes. podcast. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely there um, if you want, if you want to take it that way, but, but um, I don't think most people will. Well, and I, and I love the, cause I, I've thought about this film a ton since I, in the weeks since I've seen it. And I love the whole, the father aspect of it because and he's I think so good. Yeah, he I mean, I really think he's the the key to this movie. I mean, Anya Taylor Joy or Anya is how she pronounces it. Okay. Anya Taylor Joy. I think she is uh, phenomenal, of course. But uh, <laughs> this father, uh, he it, it's interesting because when they when they depart and leave from that plantation, they, they leave under under the complaint that basically those people aren't living the gospel or being as um, faithful or as serious about it as he thinks they should be. He's, right. he's really critical that way, which is, which is so interesting and ironic the way this goes, because this whole, this whole thing unfolds. A lot of this, it just falls upon him. And, yeah. and, and, and he's, he's so immoral, actually. I mean, he's really dishonest through, yeah. throughout the film. And he's like the least, like holy <laughs> or among the least holy. Uh, but of he's the people so well-intentioned too. Like he, like you can really feel for him, even though he does make some bad choices. Like, I don't mm. know. He's an interesting character. Like he wants to do, like, he has such a high bar that he set for himself and for his family. And it's, it's not realistic. I guess that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that that's where he crosses that line into zealotry, right? Like he is a bit of an, a religious nut. And even though I, I don't think for the majority of the film, you know, I see him that way. I just see him as this really concerned, loving father. Um, but he makes a lot of bad, bad choices. <laughs> as the movie yeah. goes on and it just, and he pays the ultimate price. Like what's the worst possible thing that could happen from making this choice? Like the family always learns the answer to that, oh, right. which is great. I mean, which is the, why it's such an incredible tragedy. Well, I, I tell you, and this is, this is a weird personal story, but I, I knew a family that's somewhat comparable to this family, okay, and and it was interesting because um, they were so strict in their faith, and he was so intense. It reminded me a lot of this father, and and ironically, like it's just like he had several children, and he 
was just very forceful and crammed it down their throats. And they, they all ended up, you know, uh, drifting away just as what happened here with, with Thomason's character. I mean, it, it's weird how, you know, you hold on to something and, and I, I didn't mention this in any of my previous reviews because I thought that this would give people a negative association with this, but everybody knows I love the village and I think I see a lot of parallels in this film and the village because um, in the village, it's like innocence is lost by trying to protect it too fiercely. And in this, so good, man. Thank you. And then, and and that's my favorite. So I think about that film like constantly, but in this film, it's like, you know, goodness or righteousness, however you want to term it, that is lost by trying to grasp it too fiercely and hold it too firmly too it just slips through their fingers because they're just trying too hard they're they're like pharisees and sadducees about it yeah yeah i mean i think you put it really well i just find the father so um relatable for me i don't know why i mean i think because it's such a scary thing to be a parent sometimes and the idea of wanting to protect your family in, especially in like these heightened circumstances where they're in the wilderness, their harvest isn't sufficient to survive the winter. Mm -hmm. You've had a baby die. I mean, you you know, what worse position could a parent be in? Um, Yeah. And so I, I like my, like I ache for the dad to just like do the right thing, get lucky at some point. Like you just want him. (laughs) I wanted him to succeed. Me too. Um, despite his um, zealotry, so. but but he can, he fails unfortunately in every conceivable yeah. way as being the the provider and protector and leader of the family. He just fails in each way, and I I do think it's it's heartbreaking. But you know what's weird, and I, I mentioned this recently on Movie Podcast Weekly, Josh. <laughs> Did you see that animated film? It's Pixar. It's called The Good Dinosaur. Yes, I did. I just saw it this last weekend. There, the there are some second run theater weird parallels to this movie with the good dinosaur because you've got <laughs> you've got a family out out you know trying to you know fend for themselves and and like they're really kind of under the gun before winter comes and trying to provide and then you've got this feral being out in the wilderness who starts wreaking havoc on the family and things start <laughs> um, toppling and they start losing family members. And I'm like, wow, this is weirdly parallel to the witch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The witch is a lot better than that movie. though. Yes, that's true for sure. But, um, I don't, I don't know. So like some of the, the horror to me, uh, well, well, first let me, before we get to that, I want to ask you, did you find this film scary, Josh? Yeah. Um, not terrifying. I think the scariest moment where I thought, oh, this movie is going to be hardcore, um, was in that first witch scene that we get, um, after her running through the woods, once she gets back to her home, mm-hmm. I thought, Ooh, that's intense. And <laughs> yeah. I think this movie is going to be grisly and it never really gets there again. Um, there are some super creepy images in this movie and I love, I mean, the thing I like about that subtitle is it's just so perfect. You know, it, it feels like a folktale. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that it's derived from real situations. And there are just some moments in this movie that are so perfect. Um, I, you know, the crow, there's a scene with the crow where the mother is breastfeeding 
her child that has passed away. She assumes that she's breastfeeding this child and she's kind of having this, you know, either she's uh, uh, being under a spell cast, you know, under a spell cast by the witch or she's just hallucinating, but there's a crow pecking at her breast. Oh, my goodness. Um, that is one of the craziest images I've ever seen in it, a movie. It's fair. It's awful and upsetting. Yeah. It, but and weirdly beautiful too. Like it's so interesting and strange and just artfully done. Like it's the thing I like about this movie is it's not gratuitous. It's not, it's very classy, but it still manages to be disturbing and hit all of the notes. But I, again, like I wish that the witch end of things just went a little bit more hardcore. <laughs> it was a little bit more blatant. And then I wish it was also just a little bit more readable as this, um, you know, satanic panic hysteria. I love to hear you say that because, um, I did feel that way too. I wanted a little more of the witch myself, just like more of the monster, so to speak. But then I, I've been, kind of reprimanded by a number of different people, including a, an interview I heard with the director who just felt like he wanted to keep the monster mysterious because he he's a horror fan who believes that if you show everything about the monster and the monster is no longer the unknown, then it becomes much less scary. And I, I would have just liked more like that Black Phillip. I would have liked more Black Phillip conversations. Mm-hmm. See, and I think the idea of keeping it ambiguous as to whether or not this is a way to show the monster and yet not know if you've seen the monster. Mm-hmm. I think you can show the monster a little bit more um, and retain that mystery if it's meant to potentially be in someone's head. So I don't know. I, I would just, The Black Phillip stuff was so effective when it happened, and I felt like I had to wait a little bit too long for that. And I think I didn't need more, you know, busty witches turning into old women, but I just really liked the moments we'd had of just the figure running through the trees. Mm-hmm. That's effect- more effective than most of the witch movies I saw in preparation. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, there is a degree to which you, you don't want to go into the woods when you see this movie. Like, they do the woods so well. I love that. Um, those shots at the beginning, I wish they would have done more of it of just, a shot of the woods, her looking at them, haunting music. Yeah, I mean, it rem- oh, that's scary. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the village, those yeah. we don't speak of out in the woods. I mean, they always stare at the woods and they're so ominous and threatening. And they're threatening in the same way in this. This is almost like, um, and I won't give any spoilers for the, the village, but this is almost like a, a more... Um, I, I guess true to life version of so, something like we would see in the village. But what about Josh? One thing that really disturbed me about this film is you have this very faithful, religious believing family who call for help. I mean, they, they actually are seeking help and no help seems to come. Like their faith is not answered. They are just preyed upon and picked apart and I think, you know, as a believer myself, I've said this in previous reviews, but it's very disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, you said that in the, I mean, I heard that in your review right after I saw the movie. So you're kind of cemented in my head as a part of that experience. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's an interesting question. Or are they picked apart and preyed upon? Or are they the victims of their own um, over-the-top belief? Like piety. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, are they the cause? They seem to be the cause of all their own problems. They're especially toward the end. I mean, you know, Black Phillip certainly uh, rams the father to death, but the mom, like that's a, that's her entire situation is caused by her own craziness. Right. And and you know, and then there are moments where they say, you know, the son says, Caleb says, you know, Dad showed me the wolf's prints, like we saw them by the wood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's explanation given that the baby just vanished, but the family implodes. It crumbles. Yeah. From well, this experience. And and Caleb is a great example too. Like Caleb suffers from this tremendous guilt. And he's a good boy. You know, he's trying at least. He mm-hmm. lies to his mom too. Yeah. But he's trying to be a good boy. And he just cannot live up to the standard that his, you know, father has set for him. And um, his death scene is amazing. That's that might be the best acting in the movie, in my opinion, is him ascending to heaven. And it's all on him. And you see this a lot in these witch movies. Oftentimes they're talking to Satan, but that you see these one sided conversations. Oh, Lord, take me, please let me do thy bidding. But it's usually directed at an evil force by a coven in the woods who mm-hmm. are naked or whatever. Right. But in this case, it's this little boy who's been through just torture. He shouldn't have had to endure. Yeah. And he's, it's like, it's heartbreaking. And, and maybe it's meant to, again, maybe that's meant to be taken literally. Maybe he went to his reward in heaven. I don't know. Or maybe it's this just grim (laughs) view of belief and that, yeah, I think that's what you're saying. And that is scary in its own, in its own way. It sure is. And, um, my my favorite aspect to this film, I mean, what what I took away from it the most, and in, in terms of like the most severe horror to it, is just how um how like a, a tragedy within a family can just ripple and and echo through oh, yeah. the family and tear the family apart. I mean, it the the baby getting lost, like whatever happens to it, whether it's abducted or wolves take it or whatever it is that they do not recover from that that is a downward spiral and you know i've i've seen those kind of things in my own family life where like something tragic happens within a family unit and there are people who don't recover or like i've seen it happen in other families more drastically you know you have you might have a kid in a family who's like a, a drug addict and then it it just causes destruction for everybody else yeah i mean what was that movie with Nicole Kidman? Uh, not Practical Magic. Uh, the one with Aaron Eckhart. Do you, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me it's go. called White Rabbit or oh. Rabbit Hole or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, I know um, I know what you're talking about. But, their, but their young son. Rabbit Hole. There we go. Yeah, their young son dies in an accident. Mm-hmm. This is streaming for free on Amazon Prime. I don't recommend it unless you like to feel tortured because it is a brutal drama about how this family cannot cope, this couple cannot cope with the loss of their child, um, and it destroys their relationship. And I think that, I mean, that's, I think that's common. I think that happens quite a bit. Oh, um, yeah. And people cannot um, recover from losing a child in that way sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the way this child disappears is so immediate. And so, um, there's no closure there. There's no, 
and the witch maybe is given as this way to find some kind of closure. I don't know. But. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it's weird how like, um, you know, the one tragedy can just turn into multiple tragedies. I mean, it can just keep happening. That's really well said too. And and that's how the witch, I mean, if we, if we take her as a literal evil being, then, then she is just, you know, creepily hanging out in the woods and picking them apart. Like she's doing this like very ninjutsu, like covert dismantling of the family. And I think that that's also very horrifying because it's like, what if you have this predatory force that you can't really, I mean, they don't even have a fighting chance against her. Like, cause if she is real, if we were to interpret her that way, they can't identify her. They can't find her or even battle her. I mean, they are so outgunned in this yeah. fight. It's awful. And, and they, in a lot of ways, destroy themselves um, as well. It sounds but, like you're leaning that way. You, you feel like that maybe I mean, she's that is, not that is my That is definitely my interpretation when I think about the character of the mom and stuff. I mean, I think that's, honestly, I think it's the better version of the movie. I like the witch stuff, but let's look at the, even the poster of the movie now advertising, you know, we, mm-hmm. everyone knows we don't judge the movie by the advertising, but right. Having said that <laughs> the title of the film is the witch. And then there's an image of Thomason and is all of this in her head is she created this, you know, panic to explain this terrible situation. She thinks she's experienced of, you know, losing her sibling, losing a baby. I mean, how, what could be worse and more traumatic than losing a baby? Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Well, it's if, the more, it's the more, let me put it this way. It's the more compelling uh, version to me. I love to physicalize. Is that a word? <laughs> I'll count it. <laughs> the, to the witch. I love that it's in this movie. Again, I wish it was in there more, but I think the more interesting version is that this family destroys itself because it can't, as you said, it can't, it can't move on. And so one tragedy becomes many tragedies because they can't heal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could totally read it that way and I could, I could buy that as well. But, um, sorry, speaking of the poster, which you, you mentioned, I actually love the poster with the goat on it much more than this woodsy picture. I I absolutely love the one with the goat. Again, that was one of the misleading ones though, that led me to think that black Phillip maybe played a more central role. I think that is the better one. I love the Sundance poster. If you've seen that, um, is that the, the brown one newspaper. It's, yeah. Yeah. I love that one. And I also love uh, the soundtrack image, which is another goat. Um, if you look at the original motion picture soundtrack uh, cover art is beautiful too. It's it's, they definitely did all of this, right? I mean, the production designs impeccable. The photography is impeccable. It's just the lighting is so beautiful. Oh, incredible. Um, all throughout. The acting is solid. I mean, it's a really strong film. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I do think people, and you said you didn't think so, I believe, in your review, but I do think people who struggle with slow burns may struggle with this one. Yeah, it's just, it's funny because I, I'm one of those people almost always. And this one, yeah, I was just riveted because it was just 
It was so compelling. It was so beautiful. It was so tragic. But it, there, there's a huge degree of like psychological factor to this. Like no. regardless of how you're reading it, this still is like in the psychological horror realm. Yeah, give me one or two more crow or goat moments. Uh, give me a little bit more crucible stuff, and I would have this would have been a ten for me, you know. But um, wow, yeah, a little short for me. Well, and 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 <laughs> this was kind of funny to me, but I, I loved how the animals were. They basically all at least looked evil, and even even oh, the hare, sure, even the rabbit in this. It's like I haven't seen a rabbit that threatening since Monty Python. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, but, it's a scarier little rabbit. I know, and it's like, how do you honestly? How do you make a a rabbit scary looking? But they manage to do it in this. They, film. they manage the tone mm-hmm. so deftly in this movie. Yeah, I mean that's just it's incredible. So I mean there there's so much I admire about this, and and in the interview I heard with the director, um, it's definitely worth your time. It's in the the slash film cast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, David Chen does an interview with the director, and um, he said he grew up in that that area, like in the New England states. And he said, you know, you can't grow up there and not have this kind of like in your fabric of who you are, just knowing about the history there. And and he just wanted to do, you know, a little horror story about about that whole time period. And I think that's interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Cause I think this guy has got some serious skill. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I, this makes me more interested in another witch movie too. I mean, I think this one isn't like the end all be all for me, um, but it is an excellent witch movie and it's in like my top couple for sure. It's, it's one of the best uses of a witch in cinema so far. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So, Okay, so are we ready for ratings on this then, Josh? Yeah, so what did you give this one again? Remind me. Yeah, for me, it was like an 8.5 out of 10. And I said definitely see it in the theater. And this is a buy for sure for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm teetering actually between an 8.5 and a 9. So um, although I guess I don't sound as enthusiastic about it as you do, I I do – appreciate what is there a great deal so i'll give it an 8.5 as well and i would say buy it as well nice and then and if is it still playing in theaters or is it gone um, i think so actually yeah so if if somebody can find it in the theater you tell them to go see it yeah why not support um quality cinema such as this heck yeah and and i i classified it in like the subgenre breakdown i did it drama psychological horror which movie what'd you do <laughs> i mean that's pretty strong that's pretty good okay. um it's got more um overt witch content than any of the other movies we've talked about um or that we've reviewed i guess but less so than hocus pocus so <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh <laughs> uh, i guess i'll just have to show my kids the witch next and see how they, what they yeah, think see how they it. handle it <laughs> Well, have you watched? Have they watched Paranorman? Uh, yes, my son loves it. I love Paranorman. I know you're not as big a fan, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good, but I'm yeah. I'm just stuck on Monster House. If I'm gonna watch like a, a horror type cartoon, it's gonna be Monster House. I, I think like. this is better than Monster House. I like 
I love the first three fourths of Monster House, and I like that it has a more classic horror structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't like anything about the actual monster house once we get going like in there at the end i don't like the whole finale section and i love uh paranorman start to finish see that reminds me i mean and it's funny that we've gone from the witch to monster house but um i guess we're trying to lighten it up so people don't harm themselves but (laughs) but but, uh like (laughs) in the end of monster house when it gets kind of crazy it's just it's very poltergeist-esque to me it's like well, yeah, Poltergeist goes pretty nuts too. So yeah, but not like walking around. And, I don't know. <laughs> that that bums me out. It's just not mm. not. It's not keeping with the horror uh, heritage of the rest of the movie. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps up episode eighty-four of Horror Movie Podcast. We hope you had a, a great time listening to our <laughs> talk about witchy women and. Horrible, awful, dark central core having men <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because it doesn't sound like the women were actually witchy at all, after all. So make sure you join us next time. That's in uh, two weeks for uh, another versus Frankensteinian episode. But in this one, we're going to do uh, Dracula 1931 versus Bram Stoker's Dracula 1992. Excellent. Which is exciting. And then I'm going to try to work in, we'll see. <laughs> I'm such a wishful thinker. I'm going to try to work in a request slash recommendation from Joel Robertson, a Forgotten Flicks and Retro Movie Geek podcast. He um, said we should check out Angst from 1983, the bizarre, intense slasher Oh, I flick. saw that. Yeah. I saw that email from yeah, I'll yeah. be covering the new release, uh, The Invitation, as well, yeah. which is a Draft House Films release. Absolutely, nice. yeah, we'll be reviewing The Invitation, that's for sure, on the next episode, so I'm looking forward to that. So, um, anyways, we love your comments. Make sure you write to us and tell us what you think of this episode and tell us what you know about witches. And I want to kick it over to my co-host here and see if you have any plugs. What do you have, Dr. Shock? Um, well, you have nothing new. You can always just play mine from the previous episodes, but I'll say them again. Uh, you can check me out at dvdinfatuation.com, um, at, at dvdinfatuation on Twitter. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. I guess you just search on DVD Infatuation. Uh, and I am on the Land of the Creeps podcast as well. You could find that at Land of the creeps.blogspot.com we're actually um, I think I might have mentioned this before but we're going through the 1920s uh, and on our uh, upcoming episode we're going to be taking a look at um, the 1928 French film The Fall of the House of Usher and also Lon Chaney's uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame cool yeah that's great I'm, I'm very impressed that guys are covering that stuff over there I- it's what they're doing is it's it's a um it's it's once a month so we're, we're doing one episode of new releases or newer releases uh like this last time uh we had done uh wormwood road of the dead and mm-hmm. maggie um and then for so one episode a month we're doing the, these movies from the uh from the 1920s very cool gotcha okay so yeah, check out Land of the Creeps, everybody, and DVDinfatuation.com. And what about you, Wolfman Josh? What do you have? I'd just say people should check out uh, Movie Streamcast, where I review new movies that are currently streaming online. 
You can also check out the Sci-Fi Podcast where I produce those episodes and appear on occasion. And just all the other great shows here on the network. I know Jay will talk about yours. There's also GeekCast Live and, uh, you know, the previously mentioned Joel Robertson's podcast, Retro Movie Geek and Forgotten Flicks podcast. So there's a lot of fun stuff out there to listen to. Yeah. And and speaking of horror, yeah, I think I may have mentioned this, but even though, uh, you know, over on GeekCast Live podcast, even though they are not at all a horror podcast, for some reason, Ryan is going to be recording his vasectomy and his doctor is going to be narrating on a podcast about that. So <laughs> that's pretty horrifying. <laughs> like, so if that interests you, I think that's really weird, but <laughs> but go for it. You know, to each his own. We all have our weird right. content that we put out. And my weird content of that nature is Movie Podcast Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> And follow us all on Twitter. Dave mentioned his. Um, I'm on Twitter at Icarus Arts. And Jay and the official Horror Movie Podcast are on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast. We're tweeting up a storm over there. We are Yeah, some people have really been reaching out to us uh, in, in the last few days, which is great. And we are being followed by Tony Todd and Bernard Rose now, thanks to our last episode. Right. So <laughs> join them in following Horror Movie Cast on Twitter. That's right. And uh, as we said, we love your comments. So, um, you know, keep them coming in the comments section, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 801 382 8789. In all of our past episodes for this show, as well as the weekly horror movie podcast, which um, we talked about some of the previous shows on there earlier, like Mother of Tears, that review is in episode six. And that Don't Go in the House movies, episode 11. Um, we got all those archives there. We got our Horror Metropolis archives. And that's where you can find our Haxon review, which is pretty cool. Uh-huh. I actually really like That's one of my all-time favorite episodes when we did that. That was a good one. Silent that Horror. That was a good one. Absolutely. One of my favorite all-time. I think I've mentioned this before, but I think that was my first time podcasting with Dave. Mm-hmm. It was. That was and that I was think I was a little time. like jealous of this guy because I was like, Wait, he's the movie expert? I want to be the movie expert. And then I was like, oh yeah, he's the movie expert. Right. <laughs> well, we all we all must come to terms with that. So yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, you can subscribe free in iTunes or follow us on Twitter. As Josh said, I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. Fred is a great guy. Very cool. His site is frederickingram.com. And I, I think that's it. So um, make sure you come back to us again a week after next. I believe the release is March 25th, 2016 nice. um, for episode 85. And we thank you for listening to Horror Movie Podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies.